Hey everyone, it's Anne. We're making today's full episode free for everyone. You'll get the bonus segment, Ask Anne Anything, and a very fun set of show notes guaranteed to send you down a rabbit hole. If you want to join the ranks of paid subscribers so you always get the full episode and no ads, head to culturestudypod.substack.com. Right now, we have made enough to pay Melody. This includes all the money that we've made from ads and the money from subscribers. I think through the end of April... If we want to keep making the pod, we have to pay for it, and we need your help. If you want to become a subscriber, it's $5 a month or $50 a year. There's also a really great deal. It's just $3 a month or $30 a year if you are already a subscriber to the Culture Study newsletter. Just go to the Substack, either to Culture Study Pod or to the newsletter, and just Google, like, where's the podcast? Like, you can figure it out. Or you can email me, and I'll help you figure it out personally. And then the other thing I just want to note is if you are familiar with the culture studies style of star analysis, we are really talking about star image analysis. We're not trying to be mean to a star. We're talking about how a star resonates, what their image means in the broader cultural fabric. If you keep that in mind as we move through this episode, that's how Sam and I are approaching the question of Bradley Cooper. Okay, on with the show. When I think of Bradley Cooper, the first thing that comes to mind is, and hear me out, Tracy Flick from Election. (laughs) He has the same kind of try-hard energy. And I remember I watched Election when it came out several times as a young person, not understanding the trauma and tragedy behind Tracy Flick's character. Like, when you first see Election as a kid, you hate her. Yeah. Then you watch it as an adult, and you realize she is the victim. And so if I want to be nice to Bradley Cooper, I try to look at him that way. That's so interesting. I think of him in The Hangover because he's the least. (laughs) Yeah, he's, like, likable, but also in some ways the least interesting character in that film. Like, this is one of the last times that he plays the straight man in terms Mm -hmm. of humor, but also just, like, in everything about him. And Melody thinks of him in Alias, which I didn't watch Alias because it was, like, that weird post-college time when no one had TV, you know? Like, so I have this Uh whole hole in my... It was, like, a virtue signal to not watch TV. (laughs) I'm not watching TV. I was in eighth grade, and so I was... Shut up! (laughs) (laughs) And so Bradley Cooper, as Will Tippin, was, like, one of the dreamboats in Uh my life. Uh, yeah, he is a yeah. dreamboat. And I will say now that I, I mean, I totally answered the question the wrong way. You asked me what I think of him as, but I just think of him as his other character because it's just like so much try hard energy. But if I had to think of a character that comes to mind when I always think of just him in a movie, I think of how he tried so hard in A Star is Born to make that low, gravelly voice work. <laughs> yes. And it was annoying. And it was like, Bradley, you could have just talked, my dude. But this is the Tracy Flick of it all. Yeah. It's not just let me be competent or good. It's like, let me show you how much I can do. Let me right. show you how much I can do. And it's, it's always that with him. And I feel like why I loved The Hangover so much and him in The Hangover so much is that he wasn't doing that yet, it seemed. Yeah. Well, and we're going to talk a lot about this and the answers to the questions to come. But I think... Part of what makes him interesting is he is not as good as some other methody stars at erasing the signs of effort, or at least the at nat- of it all. Yeah, yes. like at least at naturalizing it. Because, like to me, 
Daniel Day-Lewis, I'm never like, oh, my God, that fucker's so annoying, right? Yeah. I'm just like, yeah. oh, what a guy. Like, what an actor. Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, and the thing about Daniel Day-Lewis is that, like, he's also not trying to write, direct, star in. Like, <laughs> like Bradley yes. Cooper wants to control all the means of production in his film work. And yes. that makes it harder to digest, I think. This is the Culture Study Podcast, and I'm Anne Helen Peterson. And I'm Sam Sanders, co-host of Vibe Check, and big fan of Anne Helen Peterson. <laughs> oh, this is a complete honor to have you on the podcast today. I was one of the first guests on one of Sam's previous podcasts, and it was like the best conversation I had for the entire publicity cycle, and I have been a massive fan ever since. Oh my uh, I remember that, and it was like my template for like, good book interview for a very long time so thank you for that because i was just a baby trying it out and i was like i, I want to talk about a whole book in just a a half an hour and you help me. <laughs> but we <laughs> did it that was so long ago too gosh we're we're old yeah. pros now that was um, like 2017 okay. yeah yeah wow. no, it was oh my god <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh. <sighs> okay all right that was for too fat too slutty too loud um okay mm-hmm. so the title of this episode the working title of this episode is like what is going on with Bradley Cooper? Like, what is Bradley Cooper's deal? And (laughs) we kept it, like, so broad because I think that there is this, like, complication to his image that we've grown with, right? Like, unlike a lot of other stars, each film, there's something that's, like, complicating what I thought I understood about him Mm -hmm. in a way that I think is pretty interesting Mm -hmm. and that I also think that people can't get their heads around. Like, am I annoyed by him? Am I impressed by him? Am I, like, whether or not I like the movie, like, do I see what he's trying to do here? All of these these things happening at once. And then all of the publicity stuff, too, which is a whole thing. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, it's a lot. Well, And it's just like... I have more feelings about Bradley Cooper than I feel I need to. So full (laughs) disclosure, I tried to watch Maestro three times because I want to watch all the Oscar movies. I could not get through it, and I tried. And listen, there are so many things that I pick up and put down. That is a story of my life. That is what we do as culture critics, writers, and thinkers. But something about the Maestro of it all made me angry. I was angry at Bradley Cooper. Mm-hmm. For wasting 27 minutes of my life. So, have you times. tried to watch? Have you tried to watch it at home? I'm guessing. Yeah. Okay. This it's is hard. It's this hard. is really hard. And I saw it in the theaters the first week it came out. In part because I knew that I would have <laughs> this same reaction if I tried to watch it at home because I would be like, "This fucker! Like, what yes. is he trying like, to do here?" Doing? And the first 30 minutes, like, he's trying to do a lot. Like Both that outside scene actor. with the cigarette where he's talking, it's he lays it on so thick. No. And it's and, just like, we get it, Bradley. And you gotta stick with it to kind of okay. get to this larger picture of what he's okay. trying to do with this film, which whether it works or doesn't work, side note, I don't think it ultimately works, but I'm still yeah. like, you did that, dude. Yeah. But I think that like this is something <laughs> this is a good metaphor, maybe, for how mm-hmm. we're trying to talk about Bradley Cooper, is that mm-hmm. He's trying to do something that you have to sit in your seat and like be uncomfortable and kind of cringe for the first 30 minutes in order for you to appreciate it and then and still maybe the think it doesn't days. work. Who has yeah. the time when it comes to a celebrity, right? Yeah. To have that yeah. sort of patience. I also found myself thinking about my show, reading about it, not watching the whole thing. I very much was also like, 
who is he making this movie for? Yes. He's not even making this movie for the entire Academy. He's making it for a subset of Academy voters. Yes. And you're allowed to do that, but it's really kind of interesting to see him go from, like, the mass market appeal of, you know, A Star is Born, which still got him Oscars, and The Hangover, to not just a niche film, but, like, an awards bait film that isn't even for the entire awards community. Yeah, like, because most people don't necessarily, like, have the familiarity with the subject matter, right? Like, I was in a theater with a lot of gray hairs, and I don't mean this in a derogatory manner, just that, like, people who are older have a a much deeper understanding of the cultural importance of Leonard Bernstein than I do. He was probably, like metaphorically like a Kanye figure back in the day. Yeah. Genius. You had a lot going on. You want to know about him. Like Kanye meets LeVar Burton, right? Because he was also on TV every Sunday, right? Yeah. And like introducing the the like importance of classical music to the masses. Yeah. And, And I think that like that's part of the Academy. That's a big voting block in the Academy. Like boomers yeah. in the Academy, like boomers yes. in the United States political. Yeah. yeah. And like, and like Bradley knows this. He is, yes. if anything, a creature of Hollywood. Yeah. And he probably has everybody on speed dial and he knows who's voting for what, who's on what committee. So like, yeah, he made it for them. He yeah. made it for them. And it's like, I guess that makes me have larger questions about what he wants the shape of his career to be. Um, only he knows, but I feel like he's on this like, proving himself to that subset track that is like keeping him from making movies that a lot more people would love. And listen, we love Bradley Cooper when we love Bradley Cooper. Right. Or making movies that feel... Uh, Accessible? That feel like, yeah, <laughs> no, just like that they aren't... That it's not awards bait, right? And this is always yeah. hard because I think yeah. like a lot of movies are awards bait that are successful in effacing their awards baitness. Yes. But let's segue into our first question because okay. we'll get yes, to a yes, lot yes, more yes. of this. Okay. First question comes from Jen and it's going to give us kind of the lay of the land with some of this discourse gotcha. that circulates around gotcha. Bradley. Why is Bradley Cooper suddenly someone we're supposed to be taking seriously? Why is it a snub if he isn't nominated for every award ever? Why would a woman in her 20s who has her own stuff going on want to date him? Why do I dislike him so much? And is it related at all to why I also dislike Ben Affleck? (laughs) Okay. I know. There's a lot going on there. Where do you want to start with that? I guess the awards baitingness of it. Like, I think we forget how awards focused Bradley Cooper is because we, like, on top of being a big Oscar contender and Oscar winner, A Star is Born was a blockbuster, right? Yeah. So yeah. He, he did two things at once. He made an awards bait movie and he also made a blockbuster. Hard to do. Hats off to him for that. But he's been chasing that glory, you know, for years. Even American yeah. Sniper, which was a blockbuster, that got him an Oscar nomination, right? Yeah. And he yeah. kind of wanted that and knew that going in. Yeah. I think what the difference is between now and those films is that they were able to be hits that were also awards bait. Um, Maestro, truth be told, is actually neither. Because in spite of those Oscar nominations, I don't think it wins any. I don't think no, it wins I, any. No. And and I think the tide really turned on the film for various reasons. And we can talk about how much of his like eagerness to be in this mm-hmm. conversation is a part of that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it kind of reminds me of like... 
when I was in elementary school, I did the science uh-huh. fair because I was a big nerd. <laughs> I want to see like, where this goes. I'm loving there this. Was, <laughs> there was this guy whose dad knew exactly what sort of project to do uh, to get yeah. to win mm-hmm. the awards, right? Mm-hmm. And in fifth grade, I beat him because his science fair project yeah, was such a like clear dad helped me figure out how to game these awards exactly exactly it was about like liquid absorption using diapers um <laughs> can't i have not thought about this in a long time but it, just but it makes still you haunts think you about when when you are trying so hard to win something mm-hmm. or only understand validation through awards like this tracy flick Right? Tracy Flick. <laughs> and and there are reasons like what has it what not to psychoanalyze Bradley Cooper when we're trying mm-hmm. to analyze his image, but there is something interesting that happens when you can only feel like you are validated in the work that you do when it is recognized through yes. awards that we understand have all of these problems with them, right? Yeah. 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 They really do. And well, and it's like I also think the version of Hollywood leading man that Bradley Cooper is trying to do, we're culturally less prepared to want and accept that. Mm, say more he about that. wants to be not just the hot star, but the writer and director and the creator and the person in charge of everything. He wants to control it all. And when I think of like the kind of hot guys or alpha males that we culturally want right now, it's Travis Kelsey. Right. We want fun dudes along for the ride. Right. This kind of intense dude who controls everything. Is that truly the vibe right now? Is that is, is that the vibe right now? Right. You know? Well, what do we want our, I... our big cute men to be? <laughs> yeah, like and it's interesting, right, that Travis Kelsey is not the quarterback. I think about this a lot. Right. Yes. Um, and he isn't even the alpha of the relationship. Yeah. Taylor's the boss. <laughs> And he knows it. And Travis shows up looking cute with that mustache. And you're like, okay. Okay. (laughs) So I think about Bradley Cooper's antecedents in Hollywood in terms of leading men who have turned director and producer, right? Yeah. And the ones that immediately come to mind are Clint Eastwood. Who directed him in American Sniper. Right. And Kevin Costner. Who is a certified asshole, everyone knows. Right. And Mel Gibson. Also. <laughs> <laughs> also a certified asshole. Yes. Clint Eastwood, like, I think you know, he, he is an, an asshole. Yes. He's beloved in Hollywood for many reasons, but he's an but asshole. But he's an asshole. But, and, uh, like, here's the thing. Like, here's yeah. the thing like, just like hearing you name those names, what distinguishes those guys from Bradley Cooper is, like, they kind of at some point just leaned into kind of being assholes, and that was yeah. what it was. Yeah, Bradley yeah, Cooper yeah. still wants to be seen as a universal nice guy while also yeah. being the auteur in charge of everything. And that yeah. is a hard needle to thread, I think. He's chosen really interesting roles, I think. Like, oh, yeah. objectively, he has chosen yes. an interesting trajectory. But mm-hmm. again, part of it, like, f- if I'm looking at it as image analysis, he's working so hard to texture his image in all yes. of these ways that, like, it almost, yes. like, that also reads as try hard to me. Similar. Yes. Actually, you know who I forgot to mention in that list who? of people who are also trying to be directors and stars is Ben Affleck. Oh, yeah. Who is included in this question. Yes. But I personally like Ben Affleck more because I feel like Ben Affleck has leaned into the darkness. And he lets us in. He lets us in. Like in this roundabout way, we actually know a lot about his life. Yes. And we know about the J-Lo stuff. We know about Jennifer Garner. We know about 
Anna de Armas and the Dunkin' Donuts runs and how it was problematic. We've seen that back tattoo. And actually, I was reading an old profile of Bradley Cooper written around the time A Star is Born came out. It was in the Times Magazine. Was it Magazine. by Taffy? By Taffy Broadister Ackner, who's my favorite profile yes. writer of all time. Yes. And the whole article was about how he would give her nothing. Yes. <laughs> At a certain point, you're supposed to talk a little bit about your personal life, your upbringing, what made you you, and what made you want to make this role this way. He doesn't do that. Yeah. And so I think we also expect, if we're going to have an auteur figure that does it all and is a quote-unquote maestro, we also expect, especially in this age, for you to give us some bit of detail around your personal life to show us what made you that. Yeah. And Bradley Cooper never takes that bait. You know, he's sober, I would love one good interview about sobriety and how it related to particularly A Star is Born. Yeah. Never does it. Never does it. I would love in the press run for Maestro, which is all about a romantic relationship, to talk about even obliquely how his relationships informed this role in this movie. He right. doesn't do it. Right. He doesn't do it. Right. Instead, he lets a lot of people do a lot speculate. of by speculation. By speculation. And he about knows what him. we speculate. We spec- Listen, I'm a gay in L.A., all we do is talk about who's gay or not. And he's one of those question marks. And I'm going to leave it there because it's not my job to speculate. But I'm just saying, offline, people speculate. Yeah. And he is not, you know, I th- he's talked a little bit about the sober stuff, but he only does it on podcasts. Oh. Right? So, you know, he was uh, roommates with Will Arnett in his early 20s. Oh, that sounds so like trouble. Gone- <laughs> so he's, but that's when they got sober at least is my oh, understanding okay and there's a little bit of that intimacy there and mm-hmm. i think that this is actually a very concerted reaction mm. to the prickliness that he displayed in a star is born and it was prickly right it was prickly so, or at least the press cycle for a star is yeah. born so i think that what's happening here and this kind of this goes back to our question of why is it easy to dislike him or why do I feel the way that I do about him mm-hmm. is to me, this is a calculated overcompensation. You know, so he has like, uh, because he couldn't do any press because of the SAG strike. Oh, yeah. He did like, you know, this Philly cheesesteak thing. Really? He opened up a Philly cheesesteak cart for one day and like Gigi Hadid showed up. Uh, I think, yeah, yeah, I think yeah. with like Because Laura all she Dern. does in her free time is to eat Philly cheesesteaks, you know. <laughs> Like pretended to take a bite, um, and and he's you know he showed up at these awards shows. Like Allie Jones has this great issue of her her um, Substack that's all about how he's using all of these women in his life to like wield this idea of like I'm a caring guy. So it's mm-hmm. not just like oh I have a 20 year old girlfriend. It's also mm-hmm. I'm showing up here with my daughter, and mm-hmm. here's my mom who's coming to the award show. Even though I go to the after party with other someone else, and mm-hmm. you know he he used to be someone who would insist that pictures of his daughter would be blurred in every single like paparazzi anything, huh. and. Now that he's doing the award circuit, he's now you see the kid. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god! You see what I mean? Like it just like it feels like this is a thing. It's like hearing you talk about him and how he's obviously very gifted, but very calculated. I compare him to my at the moment favorite creative auteur maestro. It's Michaela Cole. Michaela Cole, who made Chewing Gum, who yep. made I May Destroy You, and she writes these things, directs these things, and stars in them, right? Yep. So she's doing yep. what Bradley is doing. But the thing about Michaela Cole is when you interview her, you realize she's not someone who calculates at all. She just feels the work and makes it. 
She has an idea. She goes off to the woods for months and writes it, and it's tortured, and it's hard, and it's like it's there. And then she comes out in the world, and she's like, what press do I have to do before I go back into my cave? Yeah. And she's very honest about it. And she talks about being nervous and not liking it and just making the art. She's talked about having to leave agents before because they didn't get her. And she talks about, like, the struggle of it and her anxiety around the struggle of it, and it makes it so much more personal, yeah. and it makes it so much more relatable. And Bradley never does that. He yeah. just does the calculation. And I'm not going to say robotically, but so method. He does the things you're supposed to do so well and then never talks about it, which makes it even weirder. Yeah. And I think that that speaks to what we want from this new generation of stars, right? Because Tom Cruise is a publicity robot. Like, he knows yeah. exactly how to play this yeah. game. And no one's yeah. like, hey, Tom, could you stop being a robot? <laughs> really? Yeah. That's very Tom Cruise of him. But with someone of this generation of stars, there's a real expectation that, like, okay, if you hate publicity, we get it. Yeah. That's your thing. Talk about it a little bit. Talk exactly. about why you hate it. Exactly. Like, and instead, Here's how I feel why I feel. He doesn't do that. Yeah. Instead, we get interviews like the one he did with Taffy where he's like, I don't see any upside to telling you anything about my personal life, right? Which just, whew. Also, uh, I don't see any upside to not giving Taffy what she wants. Come on, <laughs> have you read her? <laughs> right now what he's doing is he's like using images to kind of tell his story, which works for someone like yeah. Angelina Jolie, but she knows that periodically she has to like do a bombshell interview yes. with Vanity Fair to balance it out. And she yeah. will. And she's very good yeah. at that when she needs to exactly. be. Yeah. So this next question is a little more charitable to Bradley Cooper. Okay. It comes from Melissa and Melody's going to read it. Why is everyone so mad at Bradley Cooper anyway? Everything I've read about him is that he's very kind and will shepherd anyone through their attempts at sobriety. Feels like we're being unfair to him. Okay. All right. So this is, I think, whether we're talking about Bradley Cooper or any star, Sometimes I think this gets to like the heart of difficulty in having a conversation about a star because I am also sure that Bradley Cooper is a pretty kind person in his personal life. Oh, for right? sure. Um, yeah. And we're talking more about the affect of his image. Totally. Well, okay. So like I think about, you remember when Jennifer Lawrence was like in her Oscar season? Yeah. She won like, did she get one or more than one? She was up for a few, right? Yeah, there was she, Winter's like, Bone, for, yeah. there was Silver Linus Playbook. She had a run, yeah. right? And I remember for like a year or two on at least one or two red carpets every season, she would trip. Yeah, She would just trip. Yes. And it was funny. And it was like a pratfall. And it was always like, oh my God, I'm so clumsy. But you know what I think? I think it was on purpose. <laughs> because Jennifer Lawrence knows that when we see someone that good at what they do and that pretty and that charming and that charismatic, we need something about them to not be perfect. Right. Something. And I don't think Bradley Cooper understands that. Mm. Yeah. I don't think he understands it. And I don't think he performs clumsy enough in public for us to be like, oh, shucks, he might be just like us. Well, so here's the interesting thing and where sobriety comes in here, because I think that actually sobriety can be a way that starts. Humanize him. Yeah, that it really humanizes and, and emphasizes like the fact that like they have vulnerabilities like all the rest of us. Yeah. And, yeah. and you know, we mentioned previously that he talks about it a little bit in podcasts, but it's almost like he's at that point in sobriety where he's been sober for so long that, that it's not he doesn't even talk about it anymore yeah or that like it's not as raw and like exactly i mean exactly I, everyone should be able to be wherever they are in their sober journey and also he doesn't owe us that story yeah he doesn't owe it to us right yeah, yeah. so it just doesn't work quite the way 
that it maybe would, I think, in. And and also, yeah. we the other key thing is that he did not get sober in the public eye, right? So it doesn't there work the same way as, say, Robert Downey Jr.'s go. trajectory. Or even like a singer like Sia, who... Right. I interviewed her years ago, and all she wanted to talk about was Alcoholics Anonymous. Then you realize one of the biggest hits of her career, Chandelier, is all about overdrinking. And she talks about it. You know, like we are we are primed to accept celebrity like that, especially when there's this whole cottage industry now of celebrities who want to talk to you about how they're always doing the work. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's all celebrity podcast. Hearing them talk about the work. Yes. And Bradley Cooper is not a part of that system. Yeah. That would be an interesting thing to listen to those podcasts that he's done with like someone that he knows as well as Will Arnett. But yeah, yeah. he's not in the like, I do think that there is ex- this expectation of celebrities now that they do like Mark Marin, Dak Shepard, <laughs> right? Oh yeah, and like, even Dak Shepard now has like an Alcoholics Anonymous segment on his show. Right. Seriously. Yeah. Where they talk about sober stuff. Yeah. Like it's a whole thing. Yeah. So what about this idea that we're being unfair to him? What do you think about that? Well, we are. But you know what, buddy? You're rich and famous and have awards. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's like celebrities to get famous and then get mad because they're famous. You chose this. Right. And so it's like if we start to like Bradley Cooper is not in danger of physical harm. Mm-hmm. Bradley Ho- Cooper is not experiencing horrible harassment online because of who he is and his sexuality or his whatever. Bradley Cooper is fine, you know? Like, Bradley Cooper's actually fine. Um, Bradley Cooper's biggest problem is that he's not going to get another Oscar this year. Yeah. That's his biggest problem. Right. So I don't try to beat myself up over feeling weird about Bradley Cooper. I really don't. Well, <laughs> really and here's don't. the thing. He's not going to have, like, the Oscar curse where you get nominated and maybe you win the award and then you never get offered another role in Hollywood. Oh, yeah. He'll always which have good roles like and good work the, the rest thing of that happens to so many to women, women, particularly yes. women of color who win Oscars yes. in Hollywood or who are nominated. Yes. Halle Berry's career got worse after the Oscar. Right. I still can't believe that. I still can't believe that. <laughs> Swordfish, <laughs> remember that? Yes, Jesus she's, Christ! She's topless in it. It's very, it's like a very important, I think, to many men in my life was this image of Valley Berry topless in it. But yes, that was not her career getting more textured and interesting after her Oscar. No. Uh, I also wondered with Bradley and <laughs> yeah. thinking of things that could humanize him. Does he play villains? Mm. Has well, he ever played a villain? Right. Well, I think this is his thing is he's like, I play complicated men who are... You know who are complicated? Villain. <laughs> Anywho, go ahead. Finish your thoughts. Sorry. Finish yeah, like, thought. because I think, like, his character is, is his character in A Star is Born a Villain. Is his character in Maestro a Villain? Like, you could read it that way in a certain capacity, right? Um, but does he think they're villains? No. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> there no. you go. <laughs> really good point. Uh... I was just like, you know, glossing over his uh, his history. Like he produced the Joker. Isn't that weird? Oh, wow! The Heath Ledger. No, oh, the 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 what's his face? Joaquin Phoenix. Oh. So maybe he's like, I'll produce a movie with a villain, but I wouldn't play one. The myself. Incel Starter Kit movie. <laughs> yes. I mean, Don't speaking of another, so Joaquin Phoenix is a great example of a star who like doesn't care if anyone thinks he's an asshole. Yeah, and we all just think he's an asshole. Right. It's just like, here I am. I, I make the movies I want to make. Like, this is what I do. And here's the thing. Like, would we actually enjoy Bradley Cooper if he just went full villain, full asshole? Like, huh. as, a, as a hypothetical, right. if he just became Joaquin Phoenix, if he just became a dick and just 
still kept making stuff that was like good in some respect, would I be more okay with him? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Right. Do you think you would? Uh, you know, I think he would be less interesting to me. Or the other thing mm. that he could do is become one of these method actors who really resist publicity in every capacity. Right? Period. Um, Period. And I think that that is probably that's what he wants, right? Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. I think that he thinks that publicity is feminizing in some capacity. But I don't think he would ever do it because he craves the Academy's approval so much and the Academy calls upon you to be essentially a mouthpiece for the entire, you know, the all of Hollywood. And if you are resisting yeah. publicity, and we know this from no bueno. yeah, many past Oscar runs. Eddie like, Murphy yeah. lost his Oscar because he wouldn't do press. Right. Monique? Same thing, right? Like, um, yeah. Did she? She didn't lose the Oscar. It's just that she didn't get roles, right? She, she didn't get any work after that. Yeah. And then she went on this kind of tear, and now she's getting even less work. Yeah. But yeah, like you have to be willing. You have to be a willing player in the game on the team. Yeah. You have to. And he's trying to do that, but you can tell that he kind of hates himself for his. Yeah own eagerness to do this i want to ask you a follow-up yeah. on what you said yeah you mentioned that you think bradley cooper finds press feminizing yeah and that makes me want to ask you what your theory might be of what bradley cooper thinks of the idea of masculine and feminine in his work and his persona uh, i'm intrigued uh, i'm intrigued i it's so complicated right because i right? think that he wants he has long wanted to deconstruct masculinity Right? Yes. Because I think. And a certain kind of white masculinity. Like, he's yes. like, when I see the work he's doing in A Star is Born, he's tearing down or inspecting a certain type of white rocker, white musician, white star. Yes. And I get it. And I'm like, all right, you could have deconstructed more, but you kind of started. Right. Well, and I know you haven't finished Maestro yet, but. One of I, will the, I ever? <laughs> one of the many arguments of the film is the way that one person's genius eclipses everyone else's around him, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. he thinks that this film is a tribute to Carrie Mulligan's character, who's uh, Leonard Bernstein's wife. It's not like he's trying to. Like, it seems that, like it's all about him, right? It is. It is. But he, there yeah. are certain shots that he does. It's, it's not a spoiler. Like the ending shot of the film, it's all about her. Like it's, he thinks that it's supposed to be about like, here are the wages of all encompassing, specifically mm-hmm. like masculine genius. Mm-hmm. But it's not like the critique isn't fully launched the critique isn't as good as he thinks it is no no no, no not at all but i think and that what if what like, if hypothetical what if a better critique of that kind of masculinity would have been a film directed by a woman right with him starring in it there you go this right? is the thing also about bradley cooper that annoys us i think as good as he is at being the jack of all trades writing directing starring in he could make even better work if he collaborated his work might be better if he collaborates. Yes. And this is such a good segue to the next question, which is okay. referencing the Ali Jones Substack gossip time that I mentioned earlier before. So this comes yeah. from Mackenzie. This is a broad question, but on Ali Jones Substack gossip time, she had a good piece on Bradley Cooper's Oscar women and how he uses the women in his life to further his career goals. So broadly i guess my question is what do women get out of bradley cooper and i will acknowledge that 
B-Coops has never done it for me personally. Okay. Uh, listen, I, one, <laughs> he's fun to look at. That's what we get. I'm not a woman, but I'm a gay. And I'm going to tell you, I like to look at that man. I sure do. And yeah, you that know, he, he was named like sexiest man alive in 2011. Who isn't? But anyways, <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> I know, I know, right? Who at this point who has not been yeah, named people's yeah, sexiest yeah. man? But... Joe Biden, sexiest man alive, 2024. <laughs> you know, there was a point when he was the vice president that I would not have. Oh, been he surprised was hot back in the signature that designation. Days. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. So I don't see him as a sex symbol. Mm. Do you? I'm going to tell you what I see him as. Yeah. I see him as a pretty doll. But huh. I feel like he's one of those people where you're like, gosh, you're gorgeous. Yeah. But then you're like, would we enjoy our time together? <sighs> would you be a fully embodied human being right. around me? Because that's romantic. So here's the thing that I sometimes forget about Bradley Cooper is that mm-hmm. he grew up in Philly. He went to Villanova for a year and then he finished at Georgetown and then he mm. went and got an MFA. Right away? Uh, I think like pretty close. And he okay. went to right. the actor studio in New York. So he yes. has this past as someone who is like, like I actually think, and I don't necessarily think this is true of all stars in Hollywood. I think that you would have an interesting conversation with him about things that have nothing to do with Hollywood. Mm. Right? Like I think that he is interested in the world around him. Yeah. Has learned how to... He speaks multiple languages. Yeah, he does. He speaks speaks French. He studied abroad in Aix-en-Provence. Like, he is an interesting person in that capacity. Like, has has challenged himself in different ways. And, like, the thing... I always want to be careful because I don't think that he is necessarily smarter than other stars in Hollywood because I don't think going to college necessarily makes you smart. But I do think it makes you... Like, you just learn how to think about the world around you. That's part of what college does. Exactly. Um, Exactly. But I do think that it gave him some of this like seriousness that mm-hmm. s- like that's part of what we're railing against is like, well, and yeah, it's like and he's like, like MFA dude, right? Like he totally is. And he's like a student <laughs> of the craft in a way yeah. that you find a little tedious sometimes. Right. There's all these old clips of him. Apparently, back in the day, this amazing interview show called Inside the Actors Studio. Oh, which yeah. I love, hosted yeah. by James Lipton, yeah. where he just interviewed stars. Um, they would let students ask questions uh sometimes on these shows bradley cooper was one of the most frequent student question askers on inside the actor's studio so there's video of young bradley cooper asking james lipton and these stars craft questions and you know he's so intensely into craft and it's like even that yeah, it might have been earnest, but it fe- it can easily feel try hard. Yeah, no, it just no seemed, one all no yeah. one no one loves the person who always asks all the questions in class. <laughs> no, and all the craft questions too, right? Yeah, like yeah. Melody just put in the chat that he would never be on a bulletin board in Times Square in like Calvin Klein underwear. Hell no, and I think Hell no. even is, though he could, <laughs> this is part of the interesting thing about like publicity or uh the way that he has engaged in like different brand partnerships and that sort of thing like he was in a um super bowl commercial with his mom oh you know like that's that's what he was is willing to do like that's the sort of sellout he's willing to do but he doesn't want (laughs) to be a sex symbol and this gets us back to this question of like what what do women get from bradley cooper and uh, yeah, what do you think? I as as not a woman, you're gonna have to answer this one. <laughs> I mean, I think that it's never a difficult question to understand what people want out of proximity from fame. 
that's not hard. Yeah. Um, and like his daughter, she doesn't have any agency in this and like deciding yeah. whether or not she gets to be on the red carpet with him or not. She just wants to be near her mm-hmm. dad. Mm-hmm. But it is interesting that he hasn't had any relationships with like super prominent stars. Right? Mm. Like anytime. They any- can't be a bigger star than him. Yeah. And it reminds me of Leo actually. Right? Oh like, yeah. He gets older. They stay young. And dating models. Who don't talk that much. <laughs> right? Uh, like yeah. no one's image yeah. is in danger like even like Gigi Hadid like she's she's a famous person but she's not like a person whose image she's not trying to be serious it. in the way that he is being serious yes yeah but then that complicates things right because if he wants to only be associated with serious things then why doesn't he have like a relationship with other S- serious yeah. serious people I don't know but then it's like but but then you lose control like yeah. at that point your creation of self has to be a group project. Right. I don't think he wants that. No. I think of Jay-Z and Beyonce, right? The most powerful power couple in the industry. And at this point in their careers, both of their careers revolve around each other. They revolve around each other, right? They've made albums about their relationship and response albums to it. You know, Jay-Z wins a Grammy and he goes on stage and he gives a speech about his wife. You know, like yep. they have to find a way to not just be a husband and wife duo, but have their art yep. cater to the relationship in some way. I don't think Bradley Cooper would ever want to do that or share that kind of intellectual space with anybody else. Well, and this is what's interesting about the evolving relationship of Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey is like, yeah, by entering into a relationship with Taylor Swift, you are acknowledging that you are part of a group project. Right? Like and that, that is, you might be on an album at yeah, some point. Right? And that's what her yeah. ex-boyfriend, Joe, like never wanted to be part of that group project in exactly. any capacity. Exactly. Uh, yeah. And I think the example actually of, of Beyonce and Jay-Z is such a such a good one because they they have to be collaborative with one another. Like they are yeah. in this space yeah. where like and they have to support one another and, and exactly. understand that like another person's success is not your failure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and like when you hear about how they actually work behind the scenes, it's yeah. kind of remarkable. Folks who I've talked to in the know are like, oh, well, you know, it's like they collaborate so much musically that if you listen to the way she rap sings on an album like Renaissance, yes. you hear Jay-Z. You hear yes. Jay-Z. And I don't mind it, right? But like they have, they do this wonderful bit of, is osmosis the word? Yeah. Like they feed off of each other not just in a business sense, but like creatively. Yeah. And I don't always love it, but I find it quite interesting. Yeah. And I don't know that Bradley Cooper would ever want a relationship that has that kind of exchange. Well, and this is why I think he loved like play acting, <laughs> the sexual tension with Lady Gaga, but yes. would never actually be would in a relationship with her, right? Yeah. Yeah. Also, fun fact, because I reread Taffy's profile of yeah. Bradley ahead of the. Uh, taping today the scene in the film where they're in the fight while she's in the bathtub and he calls her ugly yeah that was not scripted that was <laughs> off the dome from bradley oh my god <laughs> what anywho sorry just had to share, had to share. Uh, okay so our last question is about what we started the conversation with, with the discussion of Tracy Flick. It's this two-parter, and it's about try-hardness. So first up is Stephanie. Bradley Cooper seems to be very keen on being involved with quote-unquote Oscar-friendly movies, such as Star is Born in 2018 and El Maestro. Is he trying too hard to win an Oscar? 
And do you think he'll win one this year for Maestro? And then the second one is from Allison. I'm not a very, very online person, so I don't know if this is a common opinion on Bradley Cooper, but I feel like he is a very good example of the gender differences in the public's reception of quote-unquote tryhards. There's something about the way he presents himself that reminds me a lot of Anne Hathaway, but the way she was received in the 2010s and the way he's received now diverge really strongly. Okay, so... Going back to the Tracy Flick of all of this, what yeah. traits in a celebrity make them seem like a tryhard? Um, a personality that seems too fixed. Mm. Like you're like you're too stiff. You're too much of one thing. We don't see a range of emotion. Yeah, that reminds us of ourselves and folks that we love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, an inability to laugh at yourself. Mm. Yep. And an inability to share parts of you or self that make you seem vulnerable. And like this idea that like the only thing that matters is is winning. Yeah. All of those are absolutely correct. I would say the last one that is, I think, pretty unfair is Mm. theater kidness. Yeah. I remember when I was writing about Anne Hathaway in like the, you know, the early 2010s. And my opinion of her actually shifted pretty profoundly because I used to find myself incredibly annoyed by her and then kind of turned around on her. Yeah, she never annoyed me because (laughs) as a as a closeted band nerd in high school. Yeah. Yeah. You know who saved me all the time? Anne the Hathaway. theater kids, Anne Hathaway. <laughs> Anne Hathaway, Anne Hathaway was, was my bestie. Anne yeah. Hathaway was there for me. Anne Hathaway took me to prom. Okay, like. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying is that like I had a lot of theater kids who said to me, like, she, "This is genuinely. She's excited. She's emoting. Yes. Like, this is not." Perform- well, even her Oscar speech, she was like, "I had this dream and it worked out." Yeah. And I'm like, "Yeah, girl, you the can say that." Folks were mad that she said that. Folks were mad that she said that. Doesn't everybody who goes to Hollywood to be a star have that as their fucking dream? Right. And we're mad at her for that. Sorry, I just <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. stand Hathaway. So I, I stand so, her no matter what. So I have like really tried to, especially because I think that that. The, the perception of Anne Hathaway at that time was so framed in contrast to Jennifer Lawrence's cool girl performance, right? So I'm trying Not to Not even like, cool girl, like clumsy girl. Right, right. Like, oh, I don't even care about the Oscar. Like, I had uh-huh. pizza, right? Like, I, yeah, I, yeah, like, I'm yeah. surprised she didn't, like, take a piece of pizza and, like, slam it against <laughs> her, like, Oscar gown yeah. and be like, oh, yeah. I yeah. did that? Yeah. Um, yeah. But so, even her on Hot Ones now, this Oscar yeah. season... It's like, yeah, you're doing that. And listen, it's fun. But like she has a she has a shtick. Yeah. And so I'm wary and I I heed this person's like wariness too. that, like maybe some of what we're reacting to is just like him wanting to win an Oscar. And I also think, yeah, he wants to be esteemed. He wants to be rewarded and esteemed by his peers. And I understand that desire. And I think, like, part of our discomfort with it is that it seems almost unbecoming for a man to want it that much. Especially now. Right. We might have been able to abide this kind of dude 20 years ago. Yeah. But not now, baby. We want our, we want our men soft or softer. Yeah. You know, or, or like, give us some, some more vulnerability, some more softness. Or, like, would we be less weird about Bradley Cooper and all of this if he were just directing 
or just starring mm. and not doing all of the things. Right, right. Like what I found annoying as a former musician who heard all about the conducting he practiced for years yeah. to conduct. I've talked to actual conductors and they're like, yeah, girl, he didn't need to do all that. <laughs> Truly. You didn't need to do all that, right? And it's like if 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 he just pulled back the try hard on every level, do we yeah. like him more? Because like when you compare him to Anne Hathaway, you feel that same try hard energy, but like she was just acting in a supporting role. Yeah. This dude is doing everything. He's controlling all the means of production, as I said earlier, and it's yeah. just weird. Well, and I think this maybe for me at least explains why I have so much more like softness in my heart for Ben Affleck. Is, mm. you know, when Ben Affleck returned to directing, like returned to Hollywood, mm-hmm. try, like the beginning of his redemption arc mm-hmm. was with Gone Baby Gone, a movie that yeah. he does not appear in. There you go. There you go. Like he yes. decentered himself from the narrative. And I think wisely understood. Has Bradley Cooper ever decentered himself from yeah. any editorial creative narrative? And I think the other thing, you know, feeding on what we were just talking about, Ben Affleck is in a creative collaboration with J-Lo. Like, it's a very different go. creative collaboration. Yeah, and some of it's, it's yeah. over, like, Dunkin' Donuts commercials. Yeah. But, but, but it's a collaboration. Yeah. And, like, I love that he hates being famous and she loves being famous. Like, it is oh, so yeah. Oh, adorable. Yeah. It's fun to watch. <laughs> yes. It's fun to watch. And you know, they I understand that about themselves, too. They know yeah. the game. They know the game and they play the game. Bradley Cooper knows the game and pretends that he doesn't want to play the game. But it's like, you know the game. And yeah. you know what you want. Yeah, it's weird. I will say also, just thinking about Anne Hathaway, because I always do, and check me on this theory I have, but a lot of what humanized her to people after the whole she's too much of a tryhard was her getting divorced. Yeah. And there was this moment post-divorce where it seemed like she was in metamorphosis, and all of a sudden it was like, slay mama. (laughs) It was really weird. (laughs) But now we love her, right? And she did a bunch of roles that are weird or interesting or like yeah. i don't know she just like she was doing stuff that wasn't what was the one that was really hard to watch rachel getting married oh my god yes good god which that people love me. and i can like i have to sit on my hands <laughs> the entire time yes yes, it's yes. so much it's um, rough but i think what i if we were bradley's publicist if what we were I bradley's publicist I think he mm-hmm. has a lot of softness in there. And again, like this is one of those difficult things where it's like to stars OS confessionals. But I think like there is, there a, it doesn't have to be like pour your guts out, that sort of vulnerability. Just like lean into that softness yeah. the same way that he's leaned into different performances. Like go for that. Yeah. Also, stars don't owe us anything, but we also don't owe them our love and support. True. So you know what it takes to get folks to like you. If you want us to like you more, then do it. I mean, this is the thing. Like, it is an exchange. And someone who understands this exchange perfectly is Taylor Swift. Mm -hmm. She knows that she doesn't have to do anything besides make the music. But if she wants that level of devotion from fans, she gives them the things. She gives them the crumbs. She gives them the relationship stuff. She gives them the numerology about everything she's doing. She plays the game with her audience. And she knows that, like, it's an exchange. And Bradley does this thing where he never wants to buy into the exchange. Bradley Cooper's like, I want an A plus on the group project, but also I don't want anyone else in my group and I don't want to do that that whole like, I don't want to go to the meetings and I want to do the thing. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like Taylor understands that like the work is never just the work. Yeah. 
it's about performance of self. It's about relationality to your fans and the media. And Bradley's like, well, I should just be so good at what I do that y'all just all give me all the awards and are always watching me anyway. And, you know, and if he, Sorry, wants, if he wants a different path forward, there are those like he could just direct. Right. He could just direct. He could just direct. You know who just makes his movies? Who directed Poor Things, which I thought is the best film of the year? Yorgos Lanthimos. Yes, so good. He just, just makes his little movies. <laughs> he just makes his little movies, and he lets Emma Stone shine, yeah. which he should, yeah. you know? But I love that movie, and I keep thinking about him and his career because I've been obsessed with Poor Things, and now I'm obsessed with him and his work. Yeah. And he literally just goes into his cave and makes his little things. Yeah, and, and persuades really incredible actors some of whom could have had careers similar to Bradley Cooper's. Like, I'm thinking of mm-hmm. um, Colin Farrell. Yeah. Like, wow. What a different career he was destined for and then chose mm-hmm. an incredible right turn. And now I love him. Like, I will mm-hmm. watch him in anything. All right. For our last question, it's time for Ask Anne Anything. Sam. Can you stick around for just one more? Of course. Now, if you, as a listener, need advice or just want to do a little Q&A, you can ask anything. (laughs) These can be very serious, very not serious. Everything is fair game. Mm -hmm. Normally, this segment is just for paid subscribers. So if you like what you hear, head to theculturestudypod.substack.com to become a subscriber so you never have to miss out on this part of the show. And so that you know that you're paying for stuff that you like to consume. Okay. Today's question comes from Ruthie. I'm a 38-year-old woman with real-world issues, problems, and life to navigate, so the escape of celebrity culture is amazing. Why do I feel so guilty and judged when my knowledge of celebrity gossip comes up? Honestly, I can't buy a copy of Us Weekly without blurting out, I love reading trash like this, or feeling pissed off when someone, very judgmentally, says, oh, I don't keep up on that stuff, when anything celebrity is mentioned. (sighs) Ah, <sighs> uh, Ruthie's friends are missing out. I just like yeah. celebrity culture yeah. is amazing. It is such a great way to think about the world without thinking directly about the world. Mm-hmm. In some ways, I'm protected from this question because I'm able to uh, always you have a PhD d- in this. Yeah, You're I like, like I, deflect yeah. it, right? And I'm like, oh yes, yeah. yeah, so I have a PhD, which somehow like legitimizes it, which it should like. If anyone's really has been reading Us Weekly forever, they have a PhD in celebrity there gossip. You, you know what I there mean? And go. I think that yeah. like the same way that I think it's cool to have a lot of knowledge about your favorite sports stars or any other hobby that you're super into, it is a way of getting really into something and knowing a lot about something that is not your job, right? And low stakes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, low stakes, but also like, oh, when I think about the star and like, what are my thoughts about them? The the thing I often challenge people to do if they like for some reason feel any sort of shame or guilt about reading trash is like sometimes be like, oh, why do I think that way about this? Like, why is my exactly. reaction the way it is? Just take, like doing a little bit of like self-interrogation there because it's usually pretty interesting. But yeah. what what's your thought when people talk to you about this sort of like shame and pop culture just broadly? So one, I think, you know who never ask themselves these questions of themselves? Yeah. Straight men. Yeah, Straight men. Yeah. They like what they like and that's it. Yeah. They like what they like and that's it, right? So yeah. I would encourage anyone from a marginalized background to like what they like and just say that's it, 
right? For one. For two, I think for a long time, part of why I've, you know, said to myself, I take celebrity seriously and entertainment seriously and pop culture seriously is because for a lot of us growing up, the things that give us the script for how to be, it's movies, it's TV, it's music, it's books, it's celebrities and how they move through the world. You know, I grew up in a very Pentecostal, religiously conservative environment where I was obviously queer from day one. And I was never actually around gay men, around them, for real, until like adulthood. Like adulthood when I left home. Yeah. And so I realized as an adult now, a lot of what gave me the early script for how to like conceive of homosexuality, period, was TV and movies. Yep. Because my family wasn't teaching me that. My church wasn't teaching me that. So in many ways, like the fluff of TV and film and celebrity was actually educating me, right? So it's always worth taking seriously, especially if you're someone from a marginalized background, because this stuff gives you the script to help understand your world and the world, for one. Um, For two, I think that like this stuff actually is important. Yeah. People will talk about sports or they'll talk about business and they'll take it seriously because look look at all these these dollars involved. It's a big business. Do you know what is a multi-billion dollar industry in America? Cosmetics. Yeah. Why can't I take that fucking seriously? Yes. Do you know what's a multi-billion dollar business? The Real Housewives franchise. The Real Housewives <laughs> franchise. Why can't I take that seriously? Yeah. You know, years ago, um, I wrote a piece for, I want to say CJR, and talked about it on Las Culturistas of all places. But I spent a long time when I was a news reporter grappling with these distinctions between hard and soft news. And you yeah. know this. Yeah. There's some things that are hard news, and there's some things that are soft news, and that's just Bible And I realized the older I got, the things that they say are hard news are things that typically straight men like. And the things that they say are soft news are usually the things that women and gays are into. Yeah. And that's it. And so we have to understand that we live in a social context in which the very question about is it is it a guilty pleasure? Is it trash? It is in, that is informed by notions of power and patriarchy. And if we want to go there, white supremacy. So unpack that shit too. Unpack it. And I I'm think on the soapbox now. The, no, I know. I mean, you, all I need is like a little bit of prompting, and then I'm like, let's talk about this question. <laughs> and another thing. <laughs> and another thing. But like, when she says that she gets uh, like annoyed with herself when she gets pissed off. When someone says, oh, I don't keep up with that stuff, like, you should be pissed off. That is an incredibly dismissive way mm-hmm. to react mm-hmm. to someone's interests. What if I was like, <laughs> like, someone started talking about football, and oh, I yeah. just was like, oh, I find that, like, an incredibly abrasive and stupid thing to pay attention mm-hmm. to, right? Oh, yeah. Like, Speaking of football, yeah. I had someone, because so last year when Beyonce was touring, because I could and the money was good that year, I went to see her four times. Ah! I went to see Beyonce twice in London and twice in L.A. And someone trying to be smart at one point, I'm having a conversation. This dude is like, you went to see Beyonce four times? Why? It's the same concert uh, each time. And I said, do you like football? And he said, yeah. And I go, if you could go to all of your favorite football teams games for the whole season, would you? And he was like, yeah. Oh, and I was like, why? Because no matter what happens, they're going to play again next year, right? <laughs> then he shut the fuck up. But it's like, we are all allowed to enjoy what the fuck we enjoy. Yeah. We are. As long as it's not harming other people, 
Like exactly. Get into your exactly. thing. Be get into like, your thing. Like life lo- is hard, and we die alone. <laughs> Find some joy in this motherfucking earth. Us Weekly is there for you, and do not feel yes. like you have to defend it. Like if anything, yes. If anything, it allows you. If someone sees you reading a copy of Us Weekly, maybe they'll have a more interesting conversation with you because you can talk about whoever's on the cover, right? Boom. Like, boom. <laughs> I don't just fuck anyone who says that you should be feel shame for don't, being into celebrity well, culture. But also, that's the well, thesis of this, this podcast. So. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> also, I've had to learn through just living life as an adult. We think sometimes that everyone is watching everything we're doing. Yeah. And everyone's seeing what we care about and what we want and how we are. Most people don't care. Yeah. Like everyone is a star of their own movie. <laughs> we sometimes think that we're the star of the world's movie. No, we're not. Yeah. People actually don't care about what you're doing as much as you think you are. Live your life. Yeah, so figure out if you like it, if you're doing something because you like it, like that's part of the joy of getting older, I think, is being like, if, mm-hmm. do what I really do like doing do? this thing? I want to do this thing. I'm going to do it. Bam. Man, you know what Bam. I would do? I would get a subscription to Us Weekly yes. and have it delivered to yes. your house. Yes, and get a <laughs> subscription for the person who questions your love of Us Weekly. Get it sent to their house. I will say that Us Weekly has gone downhill in so many different ways. There are much better <laughs> gossip publications. I would personally suggest Hung Up by Hunter Harris and Allie so Jones's good. Gossip Time, both of which are fantastic because that's the future of gossip. Yeah. So that that's a great way for us to finish. But thank you okay. so much, Sam, for coming on the show. If people want to find more from you, where can they find you right now on the internet? I host a podcast all about the culture. It's amazing. Uh, Big C. It's called Vibe Check. It's from Stitcher, and it comes out every Wednesday. Uh, I co-host it with my dear friends, uh, poet and BuzzFeed alum, Saeed Jones, and Tony Award-winning Broadway producer, Zach Stafford, former editor-in-chief of The Advocate. Um, We are three journalists who are also black queer men who just took our group chat and made it a podcast and it is a riot every week i think i would like it besides that you can catch me on all social platforms at sam sanders and on those platforms i announce when i'm on other shows like recently uh slate's political gap fest amazing thank you again sam this was a dream come true for me Thanks for listening to the Culture Study Podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We have so many great episodes in the works, like What's Up With Stanley Cups and Why Is Everyone Yelling At Me to Read A Court of Thrones and Roses and Why Is Kevin Bacon's Instagram So Charming? I promise you do not want to miss any of them. And if you want to suggest a topic, ask a question about the culture that surrounds you, or submit a question for our subscriber-only advice time segment, check the show notes for a link to our Substack. The full version of today's episode is free for everyone. So if you like what you heard and you want to support the show and just make a podcast sustainable in an environment where so few podcasts can actually like make it work, you can head to culturestudypod.substack.com. It's five bucks a month or $50 a year, and you'll get ad-free episodes, an exclusive Ask Anne Anything segment, weekly discussion threads for each episode, and a link to a special Google form so that your questions go to the front of the line. It's like Disney Fast Pass, but for a weird esoteric podcast. And if you're already a paid subscriber, thank you so much. You make this work possible. 
The Culture Study Podcast is produced by me, Anne Helen Peterson, and Melody Rowell. Our music is by Poddington Bear. You can find me on Instagram at Anne Helen Peterson, Melody at Melodious47, and the show at Culture Study Pod. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone.